0: On this week's episode, Mike Ashley grabbed the headlines as he turned up to watch Newcastle for the first time in 16 months. But did it distract from the football and just what was he doing there? Elsewhere, where are the goals going to come from for United? And are the magpies arrogant in the transfer market? Lee Ryder and Chris Swaffer joined by New York football's Simon Bird. I'm Andrew Musgrove and this is Everything is Black and White podcast in association with Le Toro.
2: Hi guys, how are we doing after the weekend's results? Yeah, well, it could have been better if they got a win, but at least it's a draw. At least the, the rots stopped to a certain degree, even if it wasn't the best game ever. And I think off-field events as we get onto, we took control rather than on-field. Most oh, certainly. But and
0: Sam, thank you very much for coming in. You were watching Sunderland, I believe, at the weekend. No, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, yeah,
1: sorry. It was, I didn't have the excitement of Sunderland. <coughs> I had a Middlesbrough nil 0 Very solid team. Very hard to play against. Awful to play against. But a second by grinding it out. So.
0: Well, that's where we'll start with a no-nil-nil of course league, uh, Newcastle Crystal Palace,
3: all-in-all mm. all, positive point? I would say so, I mean, I said before the game I would accept a, a point, Be, that's how low the standards have dropped in North East football, accepting a point at Crystal Palace. But really, um, you know, the clean sheet, they've stop the rot, uh, the fans got behind the team while it did also make their feelings known about the owner. Um, they never stopped backing the team so I think it was as positive a day as, as you can get on a wet soggy afternoon at sellers Park
0: and only one real chance you could argue in Ayosee Perez who tamely shot into the goalkeeper Chris I mean it seems to be the, the, the same story it's been for them. maybe the last 12-18 months that Newcastle certainly have not got a goal scorer
2: yeah I mean there's an acrobatic effort from Hossler in the second half as well slightly unlucky with that but I mean Perez felt a little bit sorry for because he obviously got criticised for that chance, he made it himself, but then as soon as he got through on goal, it just looked like a player and a team short on confidence in front of goal at the moment. And they, they really are struggling to create chances. Uh, so start this morning, I think it was from CIES, that Newcastle have got the second highest number of minutes between shots. I think they're averaging a shot every nearly 14 minutes or something there is this season, whereas Man City, who are top, are every four minutes. So Newcastle are struggling to create opportunities defensively I thought they looked solid for large periods last 20 minutes Palace had a few chances so I don't worry about them defensively they haven't lost by more than one goal all season but it's just actually scoring and it's a serious issue particularly with Rondon who seems to be picking up niggles here and there, hasn't been fully fit really since he's been here and then you're relying on Hossalu who do any of us really think he's going to get 10-15 to goals a season, I'm not convinced they don't have that real creative spark. Shelby being back's a plus, but even he's going to take a bit of time, and he needs some help from the people further forward too.
0: Did you see a change in approach against Palace to what had gone on against the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal? Was it a bit more attacking?
2: I don't think Newcastle set up in a, in a negative sort of way necessarily. They're always going to be pragmatic to a degree because that's how Benitez sets his teams up. He, he never had, he never goes all out of attack he always likes to be balanced as he puts it we know that the short blanket story that he likes to use I don't think they really went for it for want of a better term but I think that they were trying certainly first half, to, to try and be a bit more expansive those parts of the game where they were getting a few people forward and Shelby's trying to dictate play but I just think that they are lacking in confidence and fluidity in it, and that's one of the reasons why they aren't creating as many opportunities as people would like
0: I suppose so I mean given them- the team sheet that Palace put out, the likes of Sahar, Townsend, on paper it looks like they do have a much better squad than Newcastle, so a point is positive.
1: I thought a point was good, and if you if you wrap that up in the context of a season and you get your home wins and you relieve the pressure by getting points elsewhere, a point at Palace is, is half decent, a point away from home anywhere is, is okay, but the, the big test now is to, to build on it. Um, you know, a, a draw. I mean it could have been a lot worse if Sacco had put that header away, I mean that was an open goal for a header and if, if he'd stuck that away that, it, it, could have been a, a, it would have been bottom of the table. Um, so the, the big test is now trying to beat Leicester and watching the highlights of the match of the day, Leicester looked pretty damn good, really slick going forward. Um, I can't see, I think Benitez will have noticed that on, on the counter-attack Leicester were really rapid and very ruthless. Um, I, th- I can't see him putting out an expansive team against Leicester I think you will be keeping it tight again um, and the test is to get three points just get that first win bottom three of all not one um, if you can get that win the pressure is relieved and you need to relieve the pressure before that international break when everyone's got two weeks to stew over the
0: position of their clubs definitely don't want to be going in that break without a win a few changes on Saturday Lee Kennedy was back I mean, one question was where where was Jacob Murphy? He looked to the right against Arsenal, and um, in the games prior to that. I mean, was he was there any word on where Murphy was?
3: Well, I think Rafa he really makes a point of rotating his squad. Um, there's always going to be two or three of them in that are not travelling. Um, Murphy was the unlucky man, or one of the unlucky men this weekend. Sean Longstaff, you can't forget him. He he also missed out. So there's always going to be, you know, in home games, there's always going to be a, a couple of them in the stands and on away games, there's always going to be the ones that get left left behind and don't get on the flight. So, yeah, I think maybe he just feels, on, on his day, I think he, he believes that Kennedy is is a quality operator. He's you know he's, he's a Chelsea player. He's, it would cost Newcastle a lot of money to, to sign him uh, compared to the players that they've, they've got. So I think really, if they can... If they can get him settled down and get him focused, um, he'll be an unbelievable player for Newcastle. Didn't really see too much of that on Saturday. Um, as you say, Perez really was the was the only clear chance, and that just shows you that what Rafa's frustrated about that he hasn't got that that level of quality because a fifty million pound striker buries that. You know, you're your Aguero's or someone like that. They do not turn the nose up at great chances. Um, Perez. It almost took him by surprise. So He's not really a natural striker in my eyes. Newcastle haven't really spent big on a striker for a long, long time. So the problems um, shouldn't be a big surprise.
0: I guess the important point was though just to stop the rot, to get that point on the board, stops the, the run of defeats they've the been under.
2: Yeah, I got the impression that first off Newcastle wanted to build a base and then from that try and construct a few attacks and I thought that come half time I thought second half they're going to have a bit more of a go here they're going to hopefully pick Palace off on the counter but once Rondon went off I think Newcastle lost a bit of control they had they weren't holding the ball up as well and really for the last 20 minutes half an hour Newcastle really you could see they were content with taking a point that was all they really wanted they didn't really get forward at all even when he brought on uh, the likes of Mudo and a few others, Newcastle just didn't create the opportunities and at a point as Simon said over the course of a season if you looked the context of it there and said point to Palace that's not bad but given the backdrop of how any castle went into the game the fact they're winless it can be seen as a a negative but they now need to back that up and go and get that win on Saturday because the longer this winless run goes on the more confidence will sap and just you are going to start to get cut adrift if they don't start picking up points I think the problem they've got is that they need
1: you wouldn't do much with the back six so the back four is decided D'Arme a bit more forceful probably played better at the end of last season you want him to step up but it's that front four um, especially on the left so there's not much between the way Murphy performs Atsu performs um, and Kennedy's not really done it this year so that's a problem position Um, Perez I think I quite like him but like you say he's not quite ruthless enough hasn't quite got that top quality Um, Richie you wouldn't argue with that him holding down his position on the right, that's okay. And striker, it's the front four and two or three of those have got to start clicking to really open Premier League teams up and to get the goals. And goals, lack of scoring goals is going to be Newcastle's problem this year. They've got a lot of goals towards the end of last season when teams are kind of losing focus and they're switching off a bit because it's the end of the season and they really cashed in then. Um, But can they do it in this early season grind where Teams are tight, everyone's up for it,
0: they've all had the pre seasons. That's 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 the problem I see. Yeah. But how does Benitez fix that? Because we have to now go to January, where again it probably looks like you won't get the strike that he craves that we know Nicaragua need. But in that time between now and January, I mean, how, what is the remedy? Because he's stuck with Josh Lewis, stuck with one down. Does he does he look down at the youth system? Is there anyone there, do you think? Or I mean, how does he fix the issue of goals? Well uh, the youth system is something that he wants to adjust. He
3: wants to bring in um, other personnel t- to make things a bit better. There's a lot of things he wants to sort out. Of. I think that was made very clear by the fact he turned down the contract because such clauses, you know, such options weren't there for him to do it. Um, it it's got to be some player that comes up from the youth system at any club who's going to bang it in 30 goals in in the Premier League. You know that that happens once every twenty years at football clubs. You can work on it with with some players by sending them out on loan, but you know there's no, there is no um quick fix uh, beneath first team level. Um, you know, Adam Armstrong was who, carried the hopes for a long time, end up being sold for one point seven million, I think, to, to Blackburn. So no, no big um. No big player coming through, sadly, in terms of goals. Newcastle have to break break that transfer record it's gone on for uh, since 2005 now with Michael Owen. So they've got to go out there and spend big and show ambition that they haven't done it. So you know that Rafa Benitez's last big striker purchase was Dwight Gale. That was that was like to get them out of the championship. Um, so they survived last season without a big big name coming in. Um, they had to sell one of the current players. In order to bring somebody, sorry, loan somebody out um, and sell someone, if you include Armstrong, to bring in a player on loan to scrape together a loan fee. And it's just like that is not ambitious thing.
2: I think that he just ha- he's going to have to look to last season. And I mean, up until Perez got half a dozen goals in the last 10 12 games, no Newcastle player got more than five goals in the league all season. Hostel got four or five, Gil got six, I think. Newcastle had to spread the goals out and that's where they're going to have to start trying to get them from Richie needs to pitch in with a few Kennedy needs to add goals and it was uh, it came, it was no shock to me when Benitez said when Kennedy first re-signed in the summer that he wants to see more goals and assists from him because he knew that he was going to be one of the main sources of that the midfielder Shelby needs to get a few Perez needs to start adding them plus the strikers and then hopefully defenders from set pieces because I actually think Newcastle on Saturday apart so the set pieces worked well in the offensive third but they just didn't actually get that very final touch on the ball the cells won a few Fernandez has looked quite dangerous so they're just they're gonna have to scrape around and find goals any way they can. One thing I would say in terms of trying PCS Day saying if you look to, to what Palace with well, the situation Palace were in a year ago and I know that Palace have these attacking players that Newcastle don't but Palace won an even worse situation than Newcastle are now at never point they lost seven games so they actually went another one beyond this. They'll cut six points adrift, I think, at one stage. And they showed that even if you have a bad start, there is still the chance that you can salvage your season. And Newcastle aren't cut a drift yet. They're not even bottom, the third bottom. I think they're only four points off 11th or something. So Newcastle just need to, to keep going for now, keep grinding out results, and hopefully once that first win comes, get a bit of momentum. Because at the moment, things are looking gloomy, but I think that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think the the last season,
1: tenth place was the ultimate sort of team performance. Um, it was done through teamwork. There was no stars. Everyone did their jobs. Um, people pitched in, like Chris said. You know, all through the all through that really good run towards the end of the year. Um, and the if we're looking for solutions, um, the ideal solution was to fix the fix the problem in the summer, like Lee said, and spend the money. They, they didn't do it. That's going to be a big mistake, which is going to hang over the club for the entire season. The solution now is exactly the same as last year. Last year, everyone bought into Benitez, saying um, we've got to stick together, we've got to stay united. And at times, that was a real—it was a real test for fans, for journalists, for probably for the players as well—to believe in what he was doing and the drills they were doing on the training pitch, and to keep listening to Rafa Benitez after nine defeats in ten games going into late December. Um, But everyone did, and it turned, and it it was great that it did turn, and um, it was kind of. uh, and a big argument for stability at the club and not having, you know, not throwing, throwing a manager out and getting someone in new. Um, and that's where the answer lies this year, because they can't fix it through transfers, really, because even January is quite difficult to buy in. Um, everyone's got to stick together. Um, and he keeps saying Newcastle United, Newcastle is United, we've got to stay United. And they have to, all, through every element of the club.
0: I guess the issue there, though, when you talk about stability, is the fact that come May, Benitez could quite easily be gone. That's
1: right. Um, this is the he didn't want this, this became a story on on uh, Benitez's future became a story on on Friday um, just before his press conference when Jamie Carragher's column dropped, um, which you've reported on, on the website. Um, when he, he said that Benitez is wasted there at Newcastle and he, he shouldn't he should go in the summer or he will go in the summer. Um, yeah, it, it's gonna it is gonna loom large come you know January when he's trying to buy players. Uh, if they weren't going to give him any money in the summer for not committing to a new contract. Are they going to give money in January to do it? Well, they might if they're in, in a fix and they're in the bottom three. Um, but but come January, you know, Jan- February, March, April, everyone's going to want to know what Benitez is doing, especially if the club's in a fix um, and they're in the bottom bottom three, bottom five. Um, he, I think he's going to have to sort out and make a commitment on his future one way or the other um, you know, by the new year. We're going to have to know what he's doing or... Um, you know, will you want to make a decision? Will, will, will they actually say, "Well, you're not committing to the club beyond the next six months"? I can't give you any money. I need a new manager. It could, it could get to that point where you're looking at looking at the club being utterly ruthless with Rafa Benitez and, and not letting the uncertainty about his contract go go right to the end. It'd be stupid to do that. You know, Rafa needs to, you need to back him and need to stay united behind him right up till till May, and then. You know that little glimmer of hope, which Rafa, you know, the love that Rafa Benitez has for the fans, for the club, wanting to build something. So, so, somehow, someone in charge of that club has got to has got to reignite that or remind Rafa Benitez of that, and 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 pull him in, pull him back in, and build some kind of trust. Because at the minute, there's no trust between Rafa and the uh, and the regime to to give him what he needs to have a project, compete in the top ten, compete in the top eight. So what he said on Friday at the at the press mm-hmm. conference why he was at Newcastle. He likes the city, he loves the fans, um, he loves the black and white shirt and you know, managing it at St James's Park. But Rafael Mikez isn't gonna stay and just drift mm-hmm. along and keep Newcastle in the Premier League. He wants more than that. The reason he came to Newcastle is to break the, the duck of trophies, to be, you know, then you become a hero and to, to, to get the club on the front foot and, and challenging um, the big, big teams again that's why he came here not just to to, to manage you know manage you know, you know stasis the, the, the same kind of thing which we've had for, for 10 years Ball one season under June, fifth place um, it, that's what they've got to convince him again they should have done it this summer the big mistake is not convincing him that it was this summer <laughs> that they've given money instead of making a massive profit they should have convinced him this summer to sign his new deal um, and he pro- I think he probably would have. I don't know what, what Lee and, and, and Chris think. I think if they'd spent big this amount and given him what he wanted.
2: Hi there, it's Caroline Forn from Owning It, the Anxiety podcast. And this is a Staycast from ACAST. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts
1: Rafa would then have committed and he would would have have tied him into the club for longer I think
3: yeah I think it's it's right what you're saying I I mean I think you know you're talking about like a decision having to be made by the new year I think Paul Rafa now will, will have already made his mind up and that it's, it's that's not going to be good news yeah. for Newcastle fans. Hopefully, they can you know persuade him and, and give him what he needs. And I think things like that are going to be happening over the next couple of weeks. Or attempts to try and make that happen will will happen. But what um, Carragher said in his column was: Have Newcastle, you know, got somebody lined up? Have they got a plan B for and Day? Tell you what, I bet you Rafa Benitez has got a good idea of some of the jobs available to him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And his people will be going out, and they'll be they'll be ready to get him into another job by the end of the season. So it's not in some ways it's not about May. um, It might not even be about the new year. The next few weeks are going to be critical to whether Rafa Benitez remains at this club because he can see on his face he's like he knows that he he doesn't Newcastle United as a club need him more than he needs Newcastle United and the big problem being that you know there, there are clubs out there that will take him seriously will give him a kitty to spend will let him do what he needs to do with the academy and Newcastle at the minute they're just they're just kind of sitting on the hands and you know the,
2: the, the four wise men were there on Saturday weren't they in the stands so well, I was just going to say I mean i I agree with Simon. I think it does need to be sorted before January because Benitez himself keeps talking about post January, and January will play a big effect. But I don't understand how he sees January as such a big pinch point. Yes, I know you can say, well, if Mike Ashley goes and spends fifty million, then you can convince Benitez that he's got ambition. But Benitez doesn't trust Mike Ashley, so Mike Ashley could well go and spend fifty million pounds in January or however much, and, and, and give Benitez what he wants in terms of signing a striker, signing number ten, but then not give him any money following summer once he signed another contract. It would do exactly what he did the January of 2017 when he just all of a sudden midway through the window said he's not getting any more money when the previous summer it had been what Rafa wants, Rafa gets. The problem is the breakdown in trust and I don't see Newcastle spending in January when it's an inflated market when you can't necessarily get the players you would want when players who Benitez would be signing probably wouldn't be ones necessarily... For the long term, there may just be quick fixes because you can't actually get the players you want long term because you're more likely to get them in the summer. I don't see how January and the way that transfers work, I don't see that as being such a pivotal point that is suddenly going to convince Rafa Benitez. The club need to do so much more than that and rebuild the trust, which at the moment is completely broken. I mean, I don't even think that, that Rafa Benitez genuinely believes that Mike actually wants to sell. I think there's a lack of trust on that there's just a lack of trust at every single level at the football club and why deals fell through in the summer Benitez didn't believe a lot of what he was told that it was to do with the agent's fees or whatever he thought that that the club to a certain degree was misleading them but not not necessarily giving them the full information Mm -hmm. and there needs to be so much more work done to try and convince them that they are actually on the same page so therefore he's probably made up his mind already as I was saying
1: there are, there are many agents pitching their um, pitching their clients, their managers, potential Newcastle managers to Newcastle and they're, they're on the phone and they're, they're, the no-raffers situation is uncertain and certainly at the end of this season. But the one good thing is that Newcastle aren't taking those calls at all. They'll not entertain any discussion of a new manager at all behind the scenes. Um, uh, because obviously, if, they, if if they start taking those calls, it'll get out that so and so has been lined up for yeah. um, to replace Rafa So they still, you know, behind the scenes, they still are saying absolutely no, Rafa's our man. We're not, we're not looking at that yet. <laughs> and let's hope it'll that'll stretch right into the summer and, and they can persuade him. But I, I agree with you, Lee. I think you know we, we wrote the stories on on Friday or Saturday. Um, he's, at the minute, he, he's made his mind up, and he's going to do this season, and he won't quit mid-season. We don't think, um, and he'll be here, here to the end of the season and no longer. Um, and it's so, somehow, somehow it take over new new owner, new chair, whatever. That's the way out, isn't it? That, that's, so that, that's the one way out. Yeah. Um, somehow, and, and you know, Newcastle with Rafa Benitez in charge is worth fifty, seventy million more than it is with without Rafa Benitez in charge, in a and a city that's. Disunited and in turmoil. So, if they're going to sell it, they need to do it quick. Who's in charge? Well, the the other thing as well is when you're talking
3: about other clubs, um, they're so clever. Uh, The big, the bigger guns in Europe, they're so clever and and, sneaky is not the right word, but they will already have have pushed the ball out basically to to get like word on whether Rafa might or might not be interested in taking over a club. I mean, I'll plug (sighs) a. a name of the air, like FC Porto in the summer, Every the minute Rafa Benitez pulled in on the coach, the, the red carpet was pretty much rolled out. Yeah. They were treating him really well, all yeah. that kind of thing. They know how to work with the top managers, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um I know the Benfica presence also got a very good uh, admiration for, for Rafa. You know, some of these clubs in Portugal where you just walk into and be able to yeah. to do the job and Newcastle would miss out and who would they get to replace? Who who could replace Rafa Benitez? <coughs> I know there's some people out there who think the tactics are negative, but generally, you know, he'll keep
0: Newcastle where they want to be. That's what they need. And
3: you know, who would come in instead?
0: Be another yes man. I suppose, in a way, a sign of just how bad the relationship has got is the fact that Mike Ashley was at the game for the first time. I think 18 months it was, um, and yet there was no word between Ashley and Benitez. Surely. If you're the owner that Nik- you're the owner of Newcastle and you 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 made a point, uh, it's, it's telling, isn't it? Yeah, it's certain elements of the press that you weren't happy you would not been invited to games, you would not been invited to the training ground. Surely you you meet up and you you talk well, to, you'd, to your manager. You go down the dressing room
3: area mm-hmm. and you you wait until if, if if it was because he was doing his press conference well you wait, you know, let the ground clear mm-hmm. before you get to mm-hmm. the bus. Well done, Raf, for the point. Yeah, keep it going. Keep it going, yeah. and we'll meet up at some other point. Yeah. And then you, you, and if that had happened, I'm pretty sure Mike Ashley's PR people would have got that
1: information out there. They didn't. They did. Yeah. They didn't speak. And here we are, Monday morning. It's weird. You, you, wonder what's holding him back because he is the owner of the club, and he's clearly a really forceful, go-getting businessman in every other aspect of his of his life. Um, and from people who've seen him socially and. He's quite a gregarious character. So, But then when it comes to managers, you think, is he, is he kind of cowed by them? Yeah. Is he a little bit... Is he scared of them? Does he not know how to deal with these football managers? Because it is intimidating, actually, dealing with a football manager when you've not been in, in the football world. When I first came did this job 15 years ago, you, you know, they're your heroes. It's, it, it's, a bit, it's a bit weird being in front of them. And you wonder whether there's a bit of that with Ashley. Um, but it is a, totally baffling having said, we'll give Rafa every penny the club generates. And then to leave it in a 20 million pound profit—that that's the one thing that nothing will never be able to square. That he said that, and no one would not. There wouldn't be a huge argument against Ashley's ownership of Newcastle if he let them, if he if he just gave him what the club generated and yeah. the transfer profit went to him, um, and the wage bill was allowed to increase a bit more, and it was all done in a budget. A lot of fans probably would just go. Well, all right then. We're, we're cutting our cloth. We're not getting into massive external debt with a bank. Fair enough. We're having to go with what we've got. Um, that's the one thing we'll never square, yeah. it, you know. And I don't know. I don't know why Mike Ashley can't just. He's got. You know, you see him go to Glasgow to sort out House of Fraser, and he's always hands on and his jeans and his white shirt at Sports Direct, and he's got all these businesses that he's 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 on his mobile and he's he's doing it in Newcastle. Yeah. He's just he's just stand off. Yeah, it's his it's his club, it's his £350, million asset, he should be getting involved and he should be coming to see Rafa every month flying up in a helicopter saying, what's the issues? What's happening? here? Right, build it, let's go. Mm. And if he did that and he kept him happy, he'd have a five or £600 million club and then you'd, you know, if that's what motivates him, yeah. I don't know what motivates him, money probably, so um, that's what he should be doing and it doesn't happen in that time for years and it is baffling. I just kind not of understand it because
3: if Newcastle are, you know, in Europe, uh, his Sports Direct brand is, is everywhere. I mean, there's many countries where yeah. you see it flashing up around the side yeah. of the pitch. Um, but he just doesn't seem to want it. And I know you, you, I've tried to speak to my actually, in the past. Yeah. You've approached him face-to-face yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. It just As soon as the, the word press interview comes up, he just seems to shut down again, like yeah. I say. So...
1: He could handle it. I'm sure he could handle it. You know, know, he he he's a he's a guy who's built three billion pound businessman. He's just not see what, talk and get the messages and, yeah. and you know come on a podcast and have a rounded explanation of uh, of what you think of Newcastle and than you know stage managed sky interviews. It's yeah. really really strange, um, and, I, and I don't get where it's coming from in
0: in his head. Why why do you think he turned up Chris yesterday? Because you know he's not at the best press of the last month with House of Fraser, Sports Direct, and what have you. He cast a in the best of positions, you know. It kind of took the focus off the football with him showing up
2: in the stand there. I mean, why
0: do you think he decided
2: to show his face after all this time? Well, I don't know the exact answer, but my theory would be that it was almost an act of defiance. There's been a lot in the last few weeks from fans groups, the Magpie group. If Rafa goes, we go. All the protests that have been going on, the public meeting there was. There's a public meeting coming up next week as well. Where MPs are going to be there, the letter from Chi on you, uh, There's a lot of people saying Magashi rattled, and I think that this was Magashi's way of saying I'm not rattled. Rather, perversely, I think it had the opposite effect, and I think the fact that he did feel the need to have to come to a game for the first time in 16 months shows that he is paying more attention to what's going on. So I think it had the opposite effect to what he necessarily wanted. But then he sat there and he's he's listened to the fans during the whole of the second half. Once it was confirmed that he was there, once the pictures were out and there was obviously the banner with sportsredirect.com on it, there was all the songs throughout, all the whole repertoire of Andy Ashley songs, and he's now seen firsthand, if he didn't already know before, as I'm sure he well did, that fans, the vast majority of them have had enough of them wanting to go. And I th- So I think that, for me, that was what it was. I think it was almost like a power play for him, is to say, look, I'm not affected by all this, I'm still owner for now, until someone gives me the money I want, I'm not going anywhere. And... The fact that he didn't speak to Rafa Benitez says that that was what it was to me, because otherwise he would have thought he's there, I'll speak to the manager, he's down in London, but that didn't happen. Are you surprised that Benitez didn't take the upper hand then and just go, do you know what, I'm just going
0: to lay my cards on the table and just go up there and and, and speak to him?
2: No, because uh, me and Simon had this rather frustrating conversation with him the other week when it was all the stuff came out about Ashley who wants to be invited to train, and we just said, well, why don't you just... Just in fact, we, we know it's ridiculous we know Ashley should just be able to come and, and he came up with this analogy about would you let someone uh, it's your own house do you need to be let in into your own house and you can see the, the thing with Raf is is he's stubborn as well and he sees it as Mike Ashley should have to come to him he shouldn't have to go uh, to Mike Ashley so until there's going to have to be an olive branch offered, and I think it's going to have to come from the Newcastle end it's going to have to be from Mike Ashley or Leedshawn or wherever to get these contract talks on again because at the moment they're indefinitely uh, on hold Benitez keeps now saying he's probably not going to talk about it until January, if, if not beyond, probably February. And so he, he isn't going to make the move. He thinks that he's shown the club what he can do over the last two years. He secured them promotion as champions. He then kept them in the Premier League, 10th place finish with what was a squad which had a lack of investment in it. He's now trying to keep a squad in the Premier League who, in some ways, you could probably see are lacking in areas that probably weren't last year, particularly where injuries have struck and so for him it's the club who need to make that next move and I can see to a certain degree where he's come from uh, on that as well.
0: Just before we go into a couple of subjects, I'm going to ask you each for a positive then from this week. I uh, know Newcastle's still without a win but Lee, one positive from from this week for yourself? Well, the big posit- positive on the field was Fernandez's performance.
3: Uh, I did give Dubrovka man the match because I think without him Newcastle would have lost but Fernandes... Uh, you know, it was many people's pick. I think what did help him was he put in two uh, monster sliding tackles on either side of the pitch. One of them right in front of the fans, and I think that sticks with the with the away supporter when you see a player doing a big tackle like that. Uh, that that stays in the mind. So yeah, he's already established himself as a bit of a favourite with the fans. So that was that was a big plus. The negative, hard to say really. Um, potentially. Newcastle's board you know they've been hammered by Kevin Keegan in his new book um, the sports redirect banner come out so they know they probably knew where they stood anyway with more supporters but I think generally speaking um, it wasn't a good week for them.
2: My big positive would be well, what I said before is that that Newcastle aren't in as bad a situation as some clubs have been in before they only need to look at Palace last year and I think a lot of clubs have taken hope from that that, that look you can recover from a rocky start and Newcastle yes they do lack attacking players they're going to have to to work on that they're going to have to start getting back to that team ethic and teamwork that they had before where they were better than the some of the parts sort of thing but um i just think that, that once they get a win i do think that that will get a bit of momentum the the fixture list in October and, and November is easier than it has been so far. Yes, they've got to get through Man United first, but but after that, they've got fixtures which you, they're going to have to really target points from. And yes, on the basis of the last few weeks, they're not going to score many goals, but they're not going to ship many either. And I think that sooner or later, they'll start being on the right side of, of those results and, and start creeping up the table. Fusen. Yeah, it might be
1: weird. I, th- I think a, a positive um, is actually Mike actually turning up at a game. I think he needs to be there to see the limitations. He needs to see what Rafa's got in, at his disposal. He needs to be bored rigid by a nil-nil draw. Do you, think, do
0: you think it will have an effect on? Yeah. on... We don't know his
1: mind, um, but I think what will, what does have an effect is if he sees his, uh, a club under threat, and he's there's been his, there's been various windows where he's seen a club struggling, and he has got a chequebook out or has sanctioned. Um, you know transfers to happen. So the more engaged he is and the more engaged he can be made to be in that part of his business, the better for Newcastle, I think. Um, I think he possibly doesn't want to be an interfering chairman, but he goes way the other way by staying away and not being interested in the club. So there's got to be a balance between being the kind of chairman who wants to know what team's been picked on a Friday afternoon and being the chairman who actually wants his club to actually do something and have and have a go, which he's not at the minute. I think, yeah, so. So, sorry, go on. No, sometimes like positive. Um, negative, the negative is is the, the goals thing. You know, another another nil. Um, they have got to be much more ruthless up front. Someone's got to get on a streak and that's the big thing
0: that worries me about this season. Well, that was going to be the next question is where the goals come from because as long as
2: Mirjic...
3: Just one other thing I was going to say, I agree with what you're saying about him turning up because one of the things he's done in the past I think when Pardew was under pressure, when Carvo was under pressure... He wanted to show that while well, he while well, he didn't go down and talk to Benitez, yeah. he wanted to show that look. I'm I'm with it. He's, he's on alone here. I'm going to walk this hard road with you. And he likes to show his stuff. I mean, he puts things on at the end of each season, doesn't he? Yeah. Corporate events, lets them play on the pitch and all that kind of thing. He likes to be the the popular guy. He likes to be a bit of a, yeah. bit of a David Brent. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, um, so yeah. I mean, that, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. He's, he's his face has, has popped up and it's it's probably.
1: Uh, a little bit of strategic management, I think. Yeah. If he can't, if he can't sell, um, then and presumably he can't at the minute. That he's got to be more engaged and he's got to take an interest and got to be more, more, yeah. more into it. You know, even if it's just to get the thing built up and be it, be it, be it to sell it for more money. <laughs> you know, that, that's 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 my theory
0: on it. Yeah. Anyway, he needs to get the guitar out with, with <laughs> the <pitch> on Charlie, <laughs> and that would be uh, some footage. Now, on, on the goals, because as long as mitovic continues to score goals, as long as Dwight Gale does for West Brom, even if, if even if it is in the championship, Benitez is going to face these questions of why did you let? This really gets my goal This Mitrovic
3: argument. I mean, it was it was going off in the press room before the game. Mm-hmm. Some of the southern-based journalists uh, talking about how basically Newcastle are struggling. Mitrovic is banging the goals in. That's the reason why Newcastle are struggling. Mm-hmm. there's a a lot more to it I think Uh, Mitrovic was asked to do certain things at Newcastle he didn't do them he's now scored as many for Newcastle uh, as he has for Fulham in a much shorter space of time Um, he had the opportunity to do well at Newcastle he didn't take it he didn't follow instructions in training and Rafa Benitez didn't want him because of that so people like Hossalu do as a tool people like Rondon do as a tool Mitrovic didn't and that's why he's not at the football club regardless of the ability he, yeah he can get goals when he wants to and Newcastle he didn't want to so,
0: I there suppose the argument though, could be that sometimes you've got just you've got to take the rough of the smooth sometimes you've got to let if that player doesn't stick to the rules but he has the talent then I mean that's up in a way of management but some yeah. might say well when even before yeah. came when Newcastle needed Mirovic he was suspended
3: he was suspended at the start of championship season because you got how you can get sent off in an end of season game which counts for nothing against Tottenham how you can get so fired up uh, and channel your aggression in that way is beyond me but it's it's like you know he can't get calls but then you've got to build your whole team Fulham are building the whole team around him at the minute you know at Newcastle it, it is as you said before a team effort that's how they finished 10th he was never going to be part of that so I just think once Newcastle start getting a few wins, you know Mitrovic might even revert to type at Fulham. He might not, you know, ne- might not keep banging the goals in throughout the season. And Newcastle, um, you know, fans they'll have something else to to hopefully be cheerful about. But I, I just think the Mitrovic we've got to we've got a the book on it. But as long as as long as Newcastle's struggling and he is scoring goals, then it, that's going to be difficult. But
0: it's a it's a the much more complex argument than what's been said on side I suppose one of the main points is that selling them really isn't the issue it's not replacing not replacing them, not spending the money they got from
2: yeah well what I always found incredible about the whole Mitrovic thing was that Newcastle thought he was worth the best part of 30 million certainly more than 25 million and, and they tried to sell him for that and yet they didn't seem to think any of the strikers they wanted were worth anywhere near that and they wanted an upgrade on him and yet wouldn't pay more than they bought him in for wouldn't even pay I mean the fee they paid for Mudo was nearly a third of what they received for Mitrovic. Yes, they may argue we haven't had all that money yet, it's in installments, but it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that you're being called at prices. Alessand players they will called at twenty, early 20 millions, in the end wouldn't pay the money for it. And you're thinking, well, if you think he is an upgrade on, on Mitrovic he's a similar sort of age I think he's only one or two years older than Mitch I mean, surely you need to pay that money pay those fees to get him and this is that's why I just don't quite comprehend at, at the top of Newcastle United you know. they're, they're quite happy to to get as much as they can for players to sell which I fully understand but then they have to understand that other clubs are going to do likewise with their prize asset particularly attacking players who are most expensive in this market and they won't even get close to paying the money necessary to replace them
0: Is it a case that they haven't moved on from the days where they could go to France and and, and buy buy for £4.5 where they could pick up these players for a cheap amount they're they're still in this mindset where they they think they can dictate the prices despite the fact the market has moved on so rapidly
1: thank you that's dead right um, the, the bargains are hard to find now um, and generally you get what you pay for that's what all the stats prove um, I don't have a problem with like Lee, with Newcastle selling Mitrovic um, I thought they got a decent price they made a 8 million 8 million profit something like that um, for a guy who hadn't done an awful lot at the club so I think Newcastle are brilliant sellers They're absolutely, but they're rubbish buyers <laughs> they are great at selling a player um, getting a profit um, they're not so good at, actually they're, they're good at getting a big headline figure but the accounts sort of suggest that they're not good at getting a big lump down, down payment it's all in installments like Chris said and they're not that money 22 million is obviously not there immediately to spend It comes in in dribs and drabs so yeah Mitrovic it's I, I, what would, I would question more is now is, is, the, is the loaning out of Gale because a few clubs have gone to two up front um, and that seems to be like an emerging system in the championship as well That there's, there's two strikers being played um, and Dwight Gale running the line on his own, a um, little guy you know doesn't really hold the ball up is, is going to struggle a bit in the Premier League. But Dwight Gale up with Rondon with someone to run off and someone holding the ball up could be a different proposition, and it might it might have been another option for them. Um, so you know ditching Gale and um, he's probably part of the deal, part of the negotiations to, to West Brom, um, you know might be the more problematic thing. Could you have really seen Benitez change his formation like that? Probably not, but you might have to if 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 they end up uh, if they end up struggling for goals, you might you might go four four two again. He or, did or have four one for a few
2: games when he was struggling, yeah. and it didn't it didn't necessarily work then. But he did go four four two for a while. I mean, he then basically turned around and said, "Well, for those fans who <laughs> said I need to play four four two, it isn't working." But he will change. I think he, if he if he sees the weakness in the opposition, that's why he changes to five at the back. Partly to protect his team but if he, if he sees something in the opposition where he can get at them where he thinks Newcastle can exploit he, he would in he theory he'd do that and if Gale was here he might have done it just on the point of
0: do Newcastle still see it as the days they could sign players in France I know for a fact that during the summer there was a few situations
2: where Newcastle were in for a player alongside a few overseas clubs who were also in for that player say, if they were, say for example it was in France or Germany and the overseas teams, the foreign teams, would be quoted a lower price in Newcastle. And that's perfectly normal in this current market because Premier League teams is a Premier League premium given the money they in it. And Newcastle's just going have nothing to do with it. Yes, in an ideal world, you wouldn't want that, but that is the market you are dealing with. That is what you're going to have to work with. And I think Newcastle are reticent at the very top to do deals like that. If, if say, if it's a French club, are going to get charged £3 million less than Newcastle for a player, they're not willing to pay more than that. Well... They're going to have to start paying that Premier League premium if they want these very top players to really improve the team. It's slightly arrogant, isn't it? really Because if they don't pay
0: that, they don't have the quality, then they couldn't, they could um, they could end up getting relegated again, missing out on the Premier League TV money again, and just going around in circles. And we have this yo-yo, you know, club for the next, you know, three, four, five years.
1: It's about priorities, on it? So, when, when you're in that market and you're going into the end of May and you know what, they've got all these balls being juggled by Benitez. We've seen the picture of him, of him at home in Wirral with his big desk and this, it, so many notes, like loads of notes on a huge bit of paper, and you think there's a load of deals going to go down there, or he, they, he's, jugg- he's personally juggling with his contacts. And I think Newcastle massively missed a trick and they might not be able to pull it back, which would be tragic. They massively missed a trick by not saying to him, what are your three, You know, th- not just one priority, but two, three, four priorities? And then just going, well, we're going to have to pay the premium. It's, it's who he wants. He's Rafa's going, that's my number one or me number two. Just putting the money down and going, bang, and saying, right, look, Rafa, don't be saying this is not your priority. We're giving you two or three of your priorities. We're going to mix and match and, and wheel and deal for the other bits of the, t- the squad that we want to strengthen later in the window when we've got some money in. And we sold a few, but just go out there and go right, and show him you want him, show him you love him by saying, "Here's three, here's your first three, or here's the best first three we can get for you." And that didn't happen, and that just it, running a club when you've got Rafa Benitez in charge, throwing balls up everywhere in early June for deals, it just bat, it's, it's just astonishing, so frustrating, so frustrating because so yeah. you've got a man there with multiple contacts with. People ringing him saying that this one might work in your team because I've watched Newcastle and he has all that and he fields a million phone calls and even had that cast on his arm from, yeah. from gripping his phone so much in the summer.
0: Um, it's so frustrating that it wasn't done. It's just mind-blowingly stupid that it wasn't done. He said to us after the I game that he'd given them a list of nearly a thousand names in <laughs> May and this was the week before Rondon had signed on loan and there we were waiting for, no offence to Rondon, you know. Lauren out coming from a, from a relegated side it is baffling
3: well I mean with, with Rafa he, he, I think you were with us in it was in March in Spain at the hotel and I think he, we were talking about something he suddenly started scribbling on a bit of paper I can't remember the exact figure by the way and then he just put the figure down and said that's how many players I've identified and it was it was a similarly huge oh, number <laughs> if Rafa Benitez has got one fault it isn't identifying talent he knows which players but then the, the frustrating thing kicks in. It's like the, the negotiation part is then over to Lee Charney, I believe it's over to Lee Charney. anyway. I don't think there's anyone else around. So once Rafa Benin says, that's the player I want, that's the price, it's then over to Lee going to go in and negotiate. Now, whether this is true or not, I don't know. Maybe only Lee Charney could stand this up. But I, what I heard was, um, again, would have to have it confirmed, but I heard that, even with Fabian Scher, £3 million release clause, Newcastle were quibbling over that. So it's like trying to negotiate whether it was a £1.8 million bid for a player who's got a <laughs> £3 million release clause. It's like ridiculous. We short with
0: Lejeune. There's someone before, didn't we? Where we're
3: on Two gauges. Six, six weeks. Two gauges. Even Lejeune was like, what's going on here? Where am I going to be? So
1: it's... You want your club to drive a hard bargain and not have sellers taking the you want You want that, but there comes a point where you, you've just... But you've got to put the money down if that's the fairly one.
3: Yeah, but going back to these big, you know, these big, so called more. Arrogant clubs in Europe, yeah. they'll just laugh at you, put the phone down, and they won't, they won't deal with them anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. Feyenoord with the, the Danish kid in yeah. the, in, in January, they yeah. yeah. just put the phone down said, so don't, yeah. don't waste
2: our time. Yeah. And there's some mega arrogant chairman out there. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and the, the frustrating thing about that was as well that even um, for about a week after Feyenoord had said them, No, until you come with a proper bid, Newcastle still was like, Oh, we might get him. They didn't move on from that. And when you say about his late Charlie and theories of the man in charge, I don't know this for a fact either, but you just get the impression. Obviously, Justin Barnes was there the weekend. You just get the impression that as soon as there's any money going to be spent, even just a few million, that Lee Charney's the one who, in theory, would rubber stamp the deal. But he isn't the one who can give the get go. And as soon as money's going to be spent, he needs to go above and he needs to get Mike Ashley to ratify it or Justin Barnes or whoever. It's, and that's you, the problem. It's just it, layers of bureaucracy, it's isn't it?
3: Got to be. It's got to be Charlie, because who who are the fi- the figures that are, are the so called board? People keep asking us who's the board you keep referring to well the board were the four people you've seen in the picture at the weekend now whether it's an official board uh, like the the football board that they had a few years ago when you had Bob Munker, Carr McLaren and Charnley well the majority of them are gone now Uh, Saturday was Charnley Keith Bishop um, Justin Justin Barnes Barnes, and Ashley now who's going in the room to negotiate transfers not Ashley it's not Barnes, it's not going to be Bishop because he's, he's the PR man. So can it only be Charlie. But
2: is the, the big question I would have is, and I, I can't answer this question, is is Charlie in a position whereby he can go and do that in terms of he goes into the room and he's negotiating the transfer? If it's if he's been, if he's he's gone into the room and say with the chair he's being told it's 1.8 million to pay, if they say no, it's still 3 million, does he have the authority in himself to be able to say, there's £3 million. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not sure if anyone else knows the answer to that question. He, in theory, is the man in the room, but does he have to go out and ring his boss and sit, make Ashley and say, no. can I do that? And that's why
3: the, the big these big, arrogant sort of Dutch-Portuguese-Spanish yeah. chairmen will say, well, have you got the money or not? Yeah. And if he's got
2: to
0: say, oh, I've just got to go and check yeah. with the boss, they won't take him seriously. Do you think so. Charlie's been slightly stung by some of the deals he made when Castle went down the Championship because he was largely left... To his own devices with Rafa. I think Rafa's alluded to the fact that it worked really well that summer. They got the players in the wanted. But they also did sign the likes of Grant Hanley, Ashras Lazar, Matt Sells. Didn't really come off Daryl Murphy, okay it worked, but big wages for, for a player nearing you know the wrong side of thirty. Uh, do you think there's a case that Mike actually then looked at that that summer that they went back up and thought, well, you know, it's it's it hasn't worked too well. It hasn't worked not that it hasn't worked, but you know, every, every that, manager gets some silence yeah. wrong you know I mean, but he signed a
3: team a squad to, to get them out of the championship and that, that's exactly what they did mm-hmm. I mean even even Hanley played um, a dozen games and some of the I think it was it might have been Brentford away where they were just getting bombarded and it went into like 99 minutes loads of injury time and Hanley was just winning header after header so them three points alone helped them win the title in the end so that's That's the way Rafa will look at that.
2: Privately with Handley as well, Rafa has always maintained that he was an important member of that team. He was a a leader. He was was captain at Blackburn before he came to castle. He understood the championship. He actually, for all, he he seemed in public to be quite a dour bloke. Apparently he had quite a good sense of humour. He was good in the dressing room. So some of these signings you don't always see in terms of what they do on the pitch as well. I have no doubt that some of them are failures. Ashraf Lazar has been a failure. Matt Sells didn't work out. But yeah, is are are and Charmley being punished for that? I think they probably are. I think that I think that Mike Ashley he, he looks at the numbers. He he forgets about the fact that Dwight Gale was ten million. Probably you could sell him for £15-20 million now if you wanted to. Matt Ritchie was twelve million, you get more money for him if you wanted. And then he looks at it and he says, You spent six million pounds on Matt Sells, I've lost that six million pounds, or the clubs lost that six million pounds. You spent four million or whatever it was on was or the clubs lost that he looks at that and I think he just this is my personal Thought on this, I don't know for certain. I think he just sees the numbers and the negative numbers, and he says that you can't have all this money because you'll waste some there.
1: I, I think Ashley will also see West Ham spending 100 million <laughs> and think and see them at the bottom last yeah. week, last week, you know, two weekends ago, um, and thinking, well, why, why, why should I bother? And that there are there are little things like that when you see those middle-ranking clubs having a real go and then it doesn't work and they're at the bottom, and uh, you know, looking from the outside, he probably thinks, well. You know, Rafa can do it for minus 20 million <laughs> so,
0: instead of plus 100, so yeah, that must hold him back as well. I think. Do you think it's all gonna, th- it's threatening to come to a head though? Because you know, this pressure from from uh, the, the groups that have formed, you know, back in Rafa, it's not relenting, it, it, it looks like it's going to go on and go on until something happens. Whether that be Rafa leaves, then God knows what will happen when that, that day does come or until Ashley sells.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're now with the, I think it's the relative calm before the storm if you can call it that because obviously the protests have already begun but and unless Rafa it signs a new deal or the club is sold this is, the momentum that is already gaining from some fans groups is not going to suddenly go away because things are going to get worse in terms of Rafa Benitez is not going to be there no matter who follows Rafa Benitez I don't care who it is to a certain degree fans are just going to go well you're not Rafa Benitez we had Rafa Benitez before even if it's quite a big near manager no matter what they do with the squad they're going to have, even 10th place, fans can turn around and go, well, Rafa Benitez goes to 10th place with no money. I can't see this situation, the, the momentum's gaining, and I can't see it getting any easier unless, as I say, as none of us actually think this is going to happen at the moment. We think that Benitez's mind is almost made up to go unless something fundamentally changes above. And at the moment, there's no suggestion that's going to happen, even if Mike Ashley was there at the weekend. Okay, guys, great.
3: I mean, with Rafa, his next his next thing he'll be focused on is getting the three points against Leicester because he knows in football short short term he will get criticism after that if they lose to Leicester or maybe even draw um, because there is some people on his side. Will Ashley be at the game against Leicester? You you wonder he might he might be because he's turned up at the weekend. And, you know, it might not. That might have just taken the sting out of a potential return to St James's yeah. Park. I don't know. You'd have to be invited, though, wouldn't he? He would have to be invited, yeah, <laughs> as you say. Uh, but I mean, for the the other big thing that's going to happen this weekend is the the big summit meeting, which they have done a piece on last week. Um, where this is this is where my theory of Rafa's mind may already be made up, it, because after that meeting, he's going to have an idea of how much money he's allowed to spend, even as a smaller detail as how far can I send my scouts can I send my scout to South America to watch a certain player they might they might not even pay for the the flight money so if they're not prepared to send a scout to look at a player you know you're not going to get that player Yeah. so yeah I think he's his mind's pretty much made up and he's certainly um, you know going to have options a lot of options in the summer to find a new club and unlike Real Madrid he when he left Real Madrid he wasn't out of work that long was he, he was no. I think he offered his services to Newcastle about two weeks later, and Newcastle didn't
0: take it and getting relegated. So, no it's all fun and games. To we learned just to finish off, then we're going to do a canny week, not so canny. We've kind of already talked about the positives and the negatives, but we're going to fit someone or something into the, the not so canny box or the canny box league. I have a feeling you're probably going to go for Fernandez as your, what, who's, had, who's had a canny week this week. Fernandez, yeah, absolutely. Um, his he
3: stats are really um, there for all to see, and you know he's going to be probably the first name on the team sheet against uh, Leicester
2: do we guys all, all agree with Lee on that yeah I think he's been a very solid sign I think he's done, come in done well isn't quite the ball playing centre-half that Lejeune is but I think that he, he complements cells well and I think for the price Newcastle paid, albeit and he's, he's in his late 20s, I think he's a, he's a good addition and someone who, even when Lejeune comes back, will really be pushing for a starting place. He's very
0: good at communicating as well. He, he's kind of the leader, the organiser that Lejeune also was before he got injured.
2: Yeah, I think that the other, the other players already are looking to him for, for a bit of that leadership and a bit of that communication, and th- that's because he understands the Premier League. He's been here for three years already, he knows Benita as well, and you can see that trust coming through on the pitch. So Fernandez
0: into the uh,
2: canny week box, shall we call it? Chris, your nomination. Who uh, it is? I had a few before and a few just so. I'm going to go that it was uh, not so canny week for Salomon Rondon. Um, not in terms of I think that he's he's a poor sign or anything. I still think, think he will come good. I just think that there's a, there's a frustration growing around him about his lack of football. Obviously, he didn't play after the national break in the first game. Then at the weekend, he came off at half-time. And it's just, when is he going to be fully fit? And for him, I think it was a, it was a big blow that he had to come off at half-time because Benitez wants to build a team around him. And the longer Newcastle goal, without being able to build a team around him, I think that that they're struggling as well. Because you can see he would fit perfectly as that lone striker in that 4-2-3-1 role. I think that he he offers a bit more than Hotsalupe. Uh, I think he's a bit more physical a bit more of a goal threat and I just think it's a not so canny week that he had to go off after 45 minutes and now he's a serious doubt for Leicester as well
0: yeah, all in agreement there lads I agree with that yeah Grant in the box he goes
2: and Simon your nomination
0: for uh, well a canny week or not so canny week can, well, I'd agree with the, these guys I mean I'd, I'd, on the not so
1: canny week uh, Muto. I mean it, it, he's, he's having a few not canny weeks he's, he's 9 million from Mainz Rafa Once him he's added him into the number 10 mix for um, to, to have a bit more pace than Perez, but he, he looked a few of the highlights that looked a bit bit naive and off the pace. Um, but he, he'll need more of a chance than he's, than he's got at the minute. Interesting
0: um, that Benitez kind of said that team was the central striker. I mean, how does that kind of work in that formation? Because you needed for that formation, you truly need a
2: bigger, a bigger, stronger man like just like Rondon. I'd have thought so. I mean, this is what I was surprised when I asked Benitez this the other week, and he he said. I see him more as a central striker. He hasn't really played in his position yet because he even played him. He had to go midfield at Cardiff because they were down ten men. I can't see him playing frequently as a central striker. I think he would almost need to be playing those two up front if he was going to be. I think the likelihood is he's going to play somewhere in that three behind the forward most of the time. But at the moment, he looks lively when he comes on, but he hasn't really other than the winning the penalty at Cardiff hasn't really affected any game in a positive sense, and. I, I'm just intrigued to see what he can do from the start of the game because I really don't know enough about him yet. I don't know what he's going to bring to the team. I think Rafa isn't sure yet what he's going to bring to the team, which is it. So he could be a massive positive, or it could turn into be nine point five million, which Rafa may wish he, he spent elsewhere. I hope not, but at the moment we just don't know. So are we agree green this weekend, not so can kind of week then for for Mudo. I, I think it's hard to
3: judge a player unless he's had you know three or four starts. Um, the little bits and pieces I have seen of him have been mixed. I think uh, uh, he didn't make much impact um, in, in certain games when he came off the bench. But um, I think he did put one pass that did catch my eye was against um, Arsenal, where he clipped a lovely ball across the field, and I just thought, well, if that's if that's what, what we can see more of, then it'd be good news for the club. But um, yeah, I, ca- I can't judge him until I've seen him. Three or four
0: times starting, but he's got to earn that right. And can you sound? Have you got someone that you want to put forward? Blimey, it's hard. It's hard um, not seeing them. You
1: know, the whole game, not yeah. being at the game at, at Palace. Um, I mean, I, you know, Fernandez looks like, looks like he does like a good guy. We interviewed him the day he signed, um, and he seemed really sensible. He knows Rafa from Napoli. Um, uh, so yeah it's struggling I mean I know I like to be upbeat and find massive <laughs> <That's> positives and <laughs> canny weeks for people. I don't
0: know. It's it's been it's okay. It, it, it's okay. this week's been alright isn't it? It's not not disastrous. Something to build <laughs> on hopefully ahead uh well, for the Leicester game. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk keep it to date with all the latest Newcastle night news we'll be bringing you uh, a preview podcast of the Leicester game on Thursday and of course live match coverage on Saturday with a podcast uh, at the full time whistle. Thank you very much. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast and this is a Staycast from ACAST. We're all following the government's advice right now.
3: We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world.
1: Check it out.